Hello there, this is Anthony Moirore on Book Talk at Book Place. A place where we get to invite authors to come and talk about their books. And today we have a very great author. <laughs> and uh, the author's name is none other than Sarah Zeph Geber. I hope I got that right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sarah. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Anthony. I'm happy to be here. Okay. And uh, for a brief introduction, uh, Sarah is a recipient of the Influencers in Aging Description by PBS Next Avenue. She's an author, retirement transition coach, and professional speaker on retirement and aging. Now, Sarah has authored a book, which is called... <laughs> Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. That is a retirement and aging roadmap for single and childless adults. This is whom we have in the show and we are very glad to have you. So please, can you start by telling us a bit about yourself? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I spent the better part of my career in um, a field called organizational development okay. and where I was uh, helping leaders understand how to uh, better relate to their employees and to uh, lead a more successful organization. Okay. Uh, that ended up being a lot of coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching with executives and uh, leaders at fairly high levels in their organization. And there came a time when they started to want to talk more about their retirement plans than their plans for their companies. So I decided that um, we maybe that they and I were all getting to an age where we ought to be talking about retirement and our plans for the future. So I made a shift and began to uh, help people get over that hump between working life and whatever which retirement would hold. And for some people, retirement is continuing to work at some level or at something. Yeah. And for other people, retirement is more of a, uh, a combination of a life of leisure and giving back to their community and playing with their grandkids or whatever it might be. But um, I uh, got more education myself. I went back to school to learn more about the psychology of making the retirement transition. And I also took uh, classes in gerontology to understand about being a, an older human being, both for myself and for my clients. So that's what prepared me to work with people who were getting into their 60s and 70s and above. Um, I also noticed somewhere along the line that there were a lot of single people, people that lived on their own mm -hmm. and people that didn't have children. Um, my husband and I don't have children. We have each other, but at some point we don't know who's going to predecease the other. So at some point, both of each one or one of us is going to be a true solo ager, as I call okay. it. Okay. But there are really over over 30% of the American population, the population, I should say, the population of the US is aging solo. They either don't have kids or they don't have family to support them because their family is far away 
or they're estranged from their family. So it's with the baby boom generation, it's getting to be a larger and larger number. And that led me to a lot of research and um, just kind of digging into who is a solo ager in this country and, and what do they need to thrive and to survive and thrive later in life. And that's what led me to write the book. Oh, wonderful. And thank you very much. It's very important uh, in the life. I mean, this life is hard living with uh, people. How about when you come to live alone and you're aging and you don't have people to talk to? Now, That's this right. is very important. This is a, I think this is a very important uh, part of life where we should uh, have more insight based on your research and uh, you writing this book. So thank you very much. Uh, which is the, what is the minimum? I mean, what's the retirement age in the US? If they may know him, because some well, not from the you US. Know, we, we used to have a retirement age in the US that was enforced by uh, companies. Mm -hmm. And that, that retirement age used to be either 60 or 65, depending on what profession you were in. Yeah. And of course, traditionally, that was just men, because mm -hmm. men were the only ones that had a profession as yeah. little as 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Uh, that's totally not true today. And we have gotten rid of the mandatory retirement age in all but a few, just a tiny few professions that still can um, demonstrate in some way that people really need to be younger to do it. Like being an airline pilot, there's mm -hmm. still a mandatory retirement age there. Yeah. But for the rest of us, we quote unquote retire when when we feel like it, when we can afford to financially, okay. um, when we can um, look more forward to doing something else, maybe to doing some charitable work, mm -hmm. switching to working for a nonprofit. Um, that there's so many different combinations of things that people now do as they get older. Yeah. And of course, our generation is living longer and we're living longer more healthfully. <laughs> Yeah, that's in good. in that's most good. cases, or in many yeah. cases. Yeah. So of course that's not universally true. But the regardless of all of that, we do need to plan for mm -hmm. later life mm -hmm. so that it doesn't catch us up in a crisis and we don't know what to do and we don't know what the resources are and where to go and how to how to make it work. So that's really what the book is all about, is the planning. And one thing I'm happy about to hear from you is that uh, these days the ages have been adjusted to transit in a, in a comfortable way. I mean, initially, even in many other countries, the age was standard for everyone. And that made it a bit dangerous, if I may use the word, for people's life because they come to a stop of something that they've been doing continuously. They stop uh, living a daily life that uh, had a program and they have to change all over again. Right. And it was a bit shaky for many. So when you say that the transition is smooth right now, so to say, but not so smooth because you have to still adjust to some things, then that's a good point. That's a good uh, encouraging, encouraging view. And, uh, but still, even with that transition, people need to know how to transit even though it may be slow. And, and, and thank you for that. So how, how do we, how does one transist 
from <laughs> being someone who has been busy, being someone who is going to change some habits in life, how, how does one do it? How are you asking, how do you make the shift? Yeah, the shift, how do you make the shift? Well, it's a very personal thing. Some yeah. people, some people, in fact, love what they're doing so much that they do it well into their 70s and even 80s. Okay. Um, a lot of people in the professions like law and medicine continue yeah. to practice long into a life when most people think, well, shouldn't you be retired? Shouldn't you be going on to something else? Okay. Um, and then, but people with with more more physically challenging occupations often feel like they really do need and they should retire at a little bit younger age mm -hmm. when they get to be 60 or 65 or say 70 bodies wear out yeah. so if you're doing something like maybe you're a a landscaper or um you may be someone who um has to do a lot of lifting in your job mm -hmm. Your body has a hard time maintaining that after about 35 or 40 years. Yeah. So, so planning is important, especially if you do have a job that's very taxing on your body. Mm -hmm. It's important that you make a plan to save some money so that you will be in good shape financially when you retire. Yeah. And these days, you know, we most people in America depend on their social security. They depend on what they've saved. And in some cases, companies still offer a pension. Okay. People who work for the government, for, in, for instance, in, in any level, still get a pension. But that's not true for those of us out in the private world. Okay. Most companies have eliminated that and let employees set up kinds of funds like KIOs and IRAs, which allow them to save money for themselves mm -hmm. rather than the company saving money for them. In some cases that's worked out okay, in other cases it hasn't. So, um, so but it's all, it's all part of the planning. And uh, I encourage people to plan early so that they can have some choice when they get older. People who don't plan very well, don't prepare very well for later life, yeah. often end up in a situation where their bodies wear out, but they haven't saved enough or planned well enough to have a comfortable retirement. And, and that's a scary thing. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in that situation because we've had a nasty economic downturn and now we've all just survived, hopefully survived COVID, um, which also led to some financial struggles for a lot of people. So um, so it's, it's challenging. It's very challenging. But to the extent that I'm talking to younger people out there, yeah. um, plan early, start to plan early because you know, don't know what life's going to bring in the way of, of ups and downs. Yeah, and I, I think it's a very big uh challenge that people are facing right now with COVID and uh, is influencing, is affecting every kind of person, even the old, the young. And uh, you mentioned a very important point there about uh, finance. Uh, when you're growing old and you're not in a good financial status, it could be very <laughs> traumatizing. Uh, could that be the biggest challenge that you know in people growing old, aging, or even uh, the solo ages that you focus on? Or which other problems do you think that uh, people could be expecting to face when they grow older? Well, 
I do think that finances can be a problem, yeah. <clears throat> but if you are someone for whom finances are not a problem, mm -hmm. it's not necessarily going to be smooth sailing if you haven't prepared and thought about things like where are you going to live? Yeah. If you live in a big house that has two or three levels to it and you're walking up and down stairs all the time, you may not be able to do that yeah. later in life. Mm -hmm. So preparing for where you want to live, preparing for who is going to take care of you when you get to a point where you're too frail to take care of yourself. And, yeah. you know, um, <clears throat> my generation, baby boomers, just don't want to think that mm -hmm. we're ever going to get frail. But those who have, have already been through the experience of taking care of their own parents or grandparents mm -hmm. and seeing how frailty comes about and what it prevents you from doing, know that our generation is going to get there too um, unless you get taken out of the game somehow by a, by a illness um, of some kind that uh, has you leaving this planet sooner than you otherwise would you're going to be faced with an older life where you can't do as much so planning ahead for where you're going to live and and who you're going to be with and how you're going to manage to get care for yourself is a very important thing. Yeah. And it's a different answer for everybody. In mm -hmm. some cases, family will be there to yeah. care for you, younger generations. It's always why it's a good idea to keep in good graces with the younger generations in your family. Yeah. Um, because as we say, what goes around comes around. Sure. Um, but I've written my book specifically for people who don't have family. Okay. and how they can prepare for a later life and it's it's actually turns out to be more about community and social support systems okay i call them than about money yeah so making sure that you are in a community you've you've formed a community you're nurturing your role in that community so that when the time comes that community will be there to help and protect you mm -hmm. that's that's the important thing i just spent a week uh taking care of a, a solo ager friend of mine okay. um, who got sick she does not have a spouse or children she never married she was a scientist all her life and she uh, was diagnosed with a particularly tricky kind of cancer yeah. where she was unable to really manage her own um, her own transportation or, or manage getting her own food. So I was one of a rotation of people because she's been a lifelong friend of mine that helped her through this. Mm -hmm. And I was gone last week um, doing that. So that's the kind of support system that we all need to build up. Yeah. And again, where you help where you can and people will help you in turn. Yeah. So uh... At what age should people be reading this book? I mean, how because you talk about you talk about preparing early. How early is too early, and how early is good? <laughs> well, I don't know that people in their twenties and thirties would relate to the book very well. Okay, but I certainly would suggest that anyone over the age of fifty, yeah, uh, take a look at it, especially. <laughs> especially those of you out there who, yeah. like me, don't have children. Okay. And you know, in the baby boom generation, mm -hmm. almost 20% of women never gave birth. Yeah. 
Now, some some of those married into families where there were already children. Some mm -hmm. of them may have adopted, mm -hmm. but it it doesn't diminish the numbers terribly. We're still talking about probably at least 18 or 19 percent of women who do not have their own children. Okay. So though, and of course, our children are historically, traditionally, the people that are kind of expected to make sure that we're safe and fed and clothed and um, that we don't need anything later in life. They take mm -hmm. care of us. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have children, <laughs> it's hard to conjure them up later in life. Yeah. So you're going to have to make other arrangements. And I understand when you say people without children, but what I have observed is we even people with their children, the children are sending them to hospice very early because they have their own families to look after. They have, That's right. Uh, yeah, so it's it's quite a big challenge uh, for many people. Yes. Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Well, in in uh, in the U.S., we have several different levels of. Um, Kind of places where people might age with other older adults and have care available to them. Okay. Um, but that takes that takes money. Uh, okay. The government doesn't pay for that here in the U.S. Yeah. So if you have done a good job of mm -hmm. saving some money, or you have a good pension, you maybe you have a house that's worth a lot of money that you can sell. Um, there are places that you can move into where mm -hmm. they do take care of you. Okay. Uh, they're called continuous care retirement communities, okay. CCRCs or life plan communities. Mm -hmm. So that's one way of planning ahead for later life. Okay. Uh, these are communities that you move into when you're fully capable of independent living. And as you need more help, as mm -hmm. you need assistance with what we call the activities of daily living, okay. bathing, grooming, dressing, uh, using the toilet, getting out of bed, those kinds of things. If you start to need help with those, then they move you up to a level called assisted living. Okay. Now, there are also just simply assisted living communities mm -hmm. that one can pay on a monthly basis to live in. Mm -hmm. And you get for that, you get all of the care that you need plus your meals are uh, are taken care of and you uh, you also have a social life in those places but you have also an opportunity. Those, those, those places are also you pay for yourself you still pay yes. for yourself it's not government assisted no that's the that's the interesting thing about the united states and the thing that a lot of people misunderstand they think mm -hmm. that medicare is going to pay if they need care later in life and i'm sorry to disillusion those that you those of you that may think that but that's not true okay medicare covers medical expenses yeah but assistance with the daily activities of living is not considered a medical expense mm -hmm. it's all private pay okay so unless you are um unless you completely deplete your funds mm -hmm. and can qualify for what's known as Medicare, mm -hmm. or where I live in California, it's called Medi-Cal, mm -hmm. um, then you can get some help with that. But that relegates you to a usually a skilled nursing facility that is uh, unnecessary for most people because they don't have a medical condition, they just help need help with the daily living activities. Mm -hmm. So ideally, you would be in an assisted living community, 
where you would get help with what you need, but not not you're not bedridden. Most people aren't bedridden at that point, and that's really what skilled nursing facilities are for. Mm-hmm. So. I encourage people to learn the difference between all of these different kinds of facilities or communities that you might move into, figure out where the good ones are, where the bad ones are, ones so that if and when you do have a crisis, you um, break a hip or you uh, take a tumble, um, hurt yourself in some way or get diagnosed with a very serious illness, have to go in the hospital. When you come out of that hospital, it's a good idea to know where you want to go. Mm-hmm. Know, know what, where those resources are in your community. And I encourage people to go in and, and tour them and, and see what they're like. Again, those of you out there who have taken care of your parents, you've been in some of those. Well, many of them have changed a great deal since then. So check them out. I know every time I say this to people, I get people looking at me and saying, I'm not going in those places. Okay. They're not so bad. Yeah. Some of them are so bad, but yeah. many of them are lovely places to be. And, and, you know, like it or not, you will be an older person one day. Yeah, everyone is going to be, or let's hopefully that everyone, as if we make it, because uh, it's, it's, it's uh, seemingly dangerous these days. People are not making to their mid-ages. They are yeah. just, I mean, it's scary. So uh, through the grace of God and maybe your own uh, care, you've reached to such an age. But uh, these days, <laughs> it's a bit scary. But if we are not going to die early, then we are going to get old. And it's better prepared. Someone said it's better to be prepared than uh, and miss an opportunity than to meet with an opportunity and not be prepared. So right. it's good to be prepared for what may eventually happen once you grow old. And That's I am right. just hoping that this, uh, I mean, because with the systems that you are talking about, uh, I'm, I'm hoping that they are in any other country because uh, this is going to be hard in many, many other countries. And, it will. And, and the good thing is that if they are not having those kinds of systems, the person who's listening to this, the person who's going to read your book is the one who is going to employ those systems in their own country to be helpful for others. Yes, and, and it's good to really learn what is available from yeah. the government mm-hmm. in your country, because some governments um, in countries uh, that have more of a, a socialized medicine system, okay. some countries take very good care of their mm-hmm. older adults. Mm-hmm. And in other places, older adults are well taken care of by their families because yeah. it's tradition. Mm-hmm. So the what I have written about is really growing older in the United States where it can be more of a challenge because we don't have those systems and we don't, in many cases, we don't have the family traditions. Yeah. So then you're caught between no family traditions and no government help. Yeah. You have to prepare for this yourself. Mm-hmm. You're your, your only resource. So. Oh, yeah. So. Can you maybe break us uh, break break down for us the book? I mean, give us a brief synopsis of the book so that we have an idea sure. of what is in it. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna look back at the book myself because I wrote it in 2018, and sometimes I even forget how I divided it up into uh, chapters yeah. and sections. Uh, I <laughs> I did divide it up into four sections. Okay. Um, the first section deals with preparing for the future, mm-hmm. and 
in that I have had tried to kind of chronicle what it is that a typical adult child does for their parent. Yeah. Because it's a great way to shed a light on what we're going to have <clears throat> as solo agers, what we're going to have to prepare to do for ourselves if we don't have children. Uh-huh. So what are all those things that adult children do for their parents? Well, they usually manage, they pay their bills, they manage their finances, they help them move into a more suitable place to live. Um, often they pick up medications, they keep them stocked with groceries, depending on where that older older parent lives, there's yeah. a lot of things that adult children attend to. Mm-hmm. So looking at that helps us give us give some perspective on how we need to prepare for the future. Okay. And then the second part really goes into more of a traditional, um, there's loads of retirement books out there. And this one in, in the second chapter goes through a lot of how do we prepare for retirement? How do you have a a happy, satisfying older life after you've left your midlife career? Mm-hmm. So I go through a lot of that, um, having a life with meaning and purpose, being adaptable, being flexible, um, um, just kind of understanding where, what your values are at this point. Because if you leave a job and you don't really know what you're going to do next, yeah. it's helpful to kind of take a, a self-evaluation much as you might have done back when you were leaving school and thinking about what kind of profession you wanted to go into. Mm-hmm. It's called a values clarification exercise. And my book has a, a lot of worksheets and checklists that help people kind of do this for themselves as they move along in the book. Okay. So the third section deals com- totally with where are you going to live? Mm-hmm. Because I think that is one of the biggest questions for solo agers is okay. where are you going to live later in life where you're mm-hmm. going to be safe, secure, happy, fulfilled, have a social life, have something meaningful to do. And <clears throat> finding that all in one <clears throat> one package is sometimes challenging. Mm-hmm. But it, it, this one has worksheets and checklists that help you kind of evaluate where you are and, and what you, how you want to give back, if that's what you want to do, yeah. how you want to live your life. Um, and I go through kind of a thorough digest of all the different kinds of living situations that are available for older adults. Mm-hmm. Again, it's very American-centric. Yeah. So that's could be one drawback for people who live outside the country. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll you will probably have similar systems, but they won't be exactly the same as yours. So I think it's helpful. Um, it's most helpful p- for people that live in the U.S. And people can always have a picture from what they see and try and I mean compare with what is around them. Right. Right. Yeah. And then the. The fourth and last section of the book deals with um, how do we ensure that we're going to be comfortable and safe in our much older age? Mm-hmm. Because these days, um, the medical community is able to keep us alive, even though we may have <clears throat> some serious um, conditions yeah. like diabetes or some forms of cancer. Um, there are a, a number of life-threatening diseases that mm-hmm. today, well, they may have killed you 20 years ago or 40 years ago. Today, medical science knows how to keep us alive. Yeah. 
but maybe not quite <laughs> as healthfully as we once were. Yeah. So how, um, how are you going to ensure that you're going to be comfortable in later life? And of course that ties back to where you live, but it also has to do with how do you plan for end of life? Mm -hmm. How do you talk to the people around you about what you want at the end of life and how do you prepare for that? Yeah. So it kind of comes full circle. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for that synopsis. And uh, as we proceed, uh, all the listeners who are listening, those who are watching, and those who are going to watch after this, uh, if they want your book, where can they get it? The best way to get my book, well, two ways. One, you can buy it through any of the online booksellers, okay. including barnesandnoble.com and Amazon and Apple Books. You can get it that way. If you prefer to do business with your local bookstore, yeah. they can order it for you very easily. Mm -hmm. You just tell them the title and the author and they'll be able to get it for you probably within days. Okay, show us the book again. Please. I'll show you the book again. <laughs> for those who have, may have forgotten, it's Essential Retirement Planning for Solo Agers. Okay, and uh, though even you may have mentioned about why you focused on solo ages, uh, please tell us, do you have contact? Do you have you did you get to interact with some solo ages in your life and uh, find out the experiences they were going through so that maybe you could uh, get some tips from there? Yes, well, mm -hmm. the way that, I am a solo ager myself by my own definition, because okay. I consider people who don't have children, even if they're married, yeah. to be solo agers, mm -hmm. because my husband and I don't have a crystal ball, nor does anybody. So we don't know who's going to predecease the other. Yeah. But the one who is left will definitely be a pure solo ager. They'll be yeah. aging on his or her own. Mm -hmm. So, um, I realized at one point about, oh, 15 years ago that um, that I was going to be a solo ager or yeah. my husband. Mm -hmm. And I realized, too, that there were lots of people around me who were solo agers. I have a lot of single women friends mm -hmm. or couples that don't have children. And I thought, boy, there's yeah. a lot of us out there. Mm -hmm. So that's how I um, decided that. Well, I also took a look at whether there was any research going on at all, anybody talking about this, and there wasn't. Mm -hmm. So I went to the um, senior living industry. They weren't talking about it. Okay. The, the aging industry, they weren't talking about it. The care industry, they weren't talking about it. So I thought, well, somebody needs to talk about this. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I, that's why I got into it. Ah. Does that answer the question, Anthony? I wasn't sure it that I could answer your, uh, the question. Uh, right. You stressed on uh, much why you chose to focus on the solo ages. And, uh, and through, I mean, from the book, maybe it tells us what are the activities that the solo ages, um, apart from now, you mentioned being the, in the social groups, in the social settings that you give examples of. Uh, but uh, what are the activities that uh, you encourage people to involve, get, get involved in so that they age gracefully? Uh, that's, that's a good question. What activities to get involved in? Yeah. <clears throat> you know, 
I have when I when I do my talks and yes. I talk to professional groups, I talk at senior centers, I talk at all kinds of uh, all kinds of gatherings, I talk at singles groups. And you know, the most frequent question I get, yeah, uh, or the most frequent comment is how I'm not much of a I'm not much of an extrovert or I'm not much of a social person. Mm -hmm. How do I make those important connections? And I <laughs> I don't have any perfect answers okay. for people that ask those questions. All I can say is get involved with people. Yeah. Bec become a joiner. Mm -hmm. So many people say, oh, I'm just not a joiner. I don't like to belong to clubs and organizations, but you need to because the big club that you belonged to when you were working mm -hmm. was your workplace. And for a lot of people, that's where they made their friendships. That's where they found people to hang out with sometimes even on the weekends. Yeah. That's where their friends were. Mm -hmm. Or, and, and in many cases, people didn't even know their neighbors yeah. because they just didn't have the time to, mm -hmm. to get involved with neighbors. They were so involved with, <clears throat> with work or with their immediate families, raising their kids. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes kids can be an avenue toward developing a, a kind of a, a social structure yeah. because you get to know the parents of your kids, mm -hmm. uh, friends and whatnot. So with people, for people with children that can grow kind of organically through their kids yeah. and then their in-laws and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But if you don't have kids and you don't, or you don't have kids living nearby, Mm -hmm. You can be very isolated if you don't yeah. begin to join some organizations, mm -hmm. join groups that have similar interests to yours. Yeah. Anything from a golf foursome to a book club to a bike riding, um, you know, a, a riding club. Um, there are, you can get involved in, in your church or synagogue or mosque. That's a wonderful place to develop mm -hmm. social connections. Mm -hmm. And even if you haven't been in a place of worship for 40 years, they will still welcome you back. Yeah, and you can always start again. Places of worship have all kinds of opportunities to socialize and get into interest groups with people that have similar, similar concerns, similar interests that you have. Um, and most mosques, synagogues, churches that I've had anything to do with mm -hmm. ha also have groups for older adults. They're yeah. really good in supporting their older adults and they can help you over a lot of these um, kind of crises that we're talking about. So I encourage that. Um, get involved in your community. See what's happening in the uh, um, in the town you live in, in the county that you live in. Um, the parish or township or whatever it's called where you are, find out what their needs are. Where can you volunteer to help out? Yeah. Maybe maybe you can help out with with um, in soup kitchens or uh, food drives or clothing drives. There's just there's so much need, so much need out there. So many ways to get involved. And that's how you get involved with people, too, when you get involved with causes that you believe in. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of just having your eyes open and your feet on the move and right. your hands ready to help. That's right. Yeah, because uh, 
there are people who get bedridden very quickly because they have nothing, they are thinking of nothing, they are doing nothing and they are going nowhere. That is so right, Anthony. Yeah. I, I run into a number of people who have said, oh, what can I do for my brother? He just retired two years ago and he just lays in, in front of the TV all day long. And I yeah. said, oh, that's such a nightmare. Mm -hmm hard to get people to get up and moving. And that's why it's so important to plan before you leave your job. What am I going to do? And yeah, don't sit in front of the TV for 12 hours a day. That's just so unhealthy. So for those who are watching this video listening, if you have someone whom you think needs to be woken up to go and <laughs> start planning for their future, then this is the right time to give them this book as a gift. Or read it aloud to them or something. Oh, yeah, exactly. Do you have an audio, an audio book of, of it? An audio version? I'm sorry, what was that? Do you have an audio version of the book? Another version? Audio, audio, audio. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. Yes, it is uh -huh. out. <clears throat> it is available as an audible. Okay. Um, it's available on Kindle it's, and Apple Books, you know, electronic books, it's available in paperback, it's available as an audible, yes. Oh, you, thank you very much for presenting it in it, uh, so many formats so that nobody has an excuse that he didn't read it. If you don't read it, you can listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful, that's, that's great. So uh, before we get through the program, what are the most important things? I mean, like a parting shot that you tell whoever is listening, whoever should be planning for their old, old age. I mean, uh, the solo ages in preparation. Kind of what's, what's important in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think what, one of the things very important is to talk. Yeah. Communicate about your feelings about getting older. Communicate mm -hmm. about your your thoughts about death, about what what are you afraid of? What are you looking forward to? Um, who, who are the people you want to have in your life for the rest of your life? Let them know that you care about them and that you want to be involved in kind of a, a mutual caring relationship with them because they may be the first ones to get sick or have a problem or they have to go in and have a knee replacement or something and they need you need your help or you may be the, the person that that has a, a health challenge of some sort. So we never know who it's going to be and the, the more people we can bring into our inner circle, um, the healthier it is because we, we will lose people. Those of you who are listening, who are in your 60s or 70s, you know, you've lost people already. Yeah. And it's, uh, it feels like a, a kind of a game of, mu of uh, musical chairs once in a while, uh, watching people uh, leave our lives for lots of different reasons. Some people will just simply move away. Yeah. One of the things that happens to solo agers is that they probably throughout their lives have a number of friends that do have children. Mm -hmm. And they may have lived in that same house where they raised their kids for 40 years. Yeah. But once those kids pick up and move across the country, off they go. And your, <laughs> your friendship is sacrificed on the altar of being with those kids and grandkids. Mm -hmm. And off they go to the other side of the world or the other side of the country to be near those kids. So those of us without kids, 
have to be shored up in some ways that we have a number of people in our lives so we're not depending on just one person or one other couple bring people into your life and in different ways so you'll have a, a wider uh, social support system in your life yeah thank you very much because uh, loneliness could be one of the most dangerous points uh, yeah. or conditions to be in once yeah. you're growing old you know i i want to imagine that is okay to be lonely when you are 20 and 30 because you can always have the hope of recovering but uh, when someone is growing uh, growing old and is lonely that's, that's devastating yeah we've all seen examples of what loneliness and isolation can do to people through through this whole covid uh, crisis which is yeah. still going on in many places so the main idea is get connected get connected be yeah, social. get connected. <laughs> be You're social. absolutely right, Anthony. Get connected and stay connected. Yeah, speak out. And uh, yes, uh, talk about your emotions, talk about your conditions. And mentioning on this, you mentioned about uh, talking about death. I know it's an easy thing to talk about uh, medical conditions. I'm sick of this and that. And because you can always attract some help from somewhere, from children, from friends who are with you. But how do you tackle the idea of death? <laughs> Speaking about it. Yeah. Speaking about death, you know, yeah. the, the, probably the best thing you can do is to start to speak about death. Mm -hmm. Talk about it. Talk yeah. about it with your family. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so odd to me. It, death is such a part of our lives. It, yeah. It's not anything we can escape from. Mm -hmm. We're all going to die. Mm -hmm. So talk about what, what you want, who and what you want to have around you when mm -hmm. your time comes. Mm -hmm. um, share those ideas. Uh, here in the US, we have, actually, it's, it's in many countries, uh, in many English speaking countries, for sure. I'm not, I'm not certain about others. Okay. We have something called Death Cafe. Mm -hmm. And it actually started in England, I believe, spread to the US and Canada and Australia. And this is where people just get together and talk about death. Uh -huh. What are they afraid of? What's their experience been? Um, what do they want in their own lives? When they die? Who do they want to talk to about it and they they practice talking about death with whoever comes to the death cafe which is usually just an hour or an hour and a half long um people bring some kind of food to share um there's no leader people yeah. just talk about death um, i've been to a number of them yeah. very they've been uh, very enlightening. I've learned a lot about other people's perceptions of death and what how how varied it is. Yeah. Um, people's perception of death and people's wishes for death. But you don't have to find a death cafe. You can just start talking to your family about it. Uh, and I think it takes a lot of courage to move to get to yeah. go to a death cafe. <laughs> it does. You know, my I, I'd like to tell the story of uh, my father. Mm -hmm. When mm -hmm. I was still in my late teens and early 20s, my father, mm -hmm. who 
uh, was almost 40 when I was born. So he was an, on the older side of being a parent. And he wanted to talk to me about his will and where, um, what he wanted when he died, <clears throat> he where he wanted to be buried. And I, I just didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to lose my dad at, at in, somewhere in my 20s. And I didn't want to talk about death. He wasn't that old then. Yeah. Um, but he, and I resisted and resisted. And he finally, he just wore me down. And I said, okay, okay, talk to me. So he showed me where the safe deposit box was and the bank accounts. And he actually, this was a, a different time yeah. uh, when people actually had safe deposit boxes. <laughs> um, but he even put my name on some accounts so that they would, so that I would partially own them mm -hmm. um, make, to make it easier when he died. He drove me out to the cemetery where he had already bought a plot and he had already even picked out his coffin. Mm -hmm. So was that hard for me? Yes. Was it probably hard for him too? Yes. But do you know what? When he died, I didn't have to make one decision. It was just turnkey. All I did was make one call to the mortuary and everything was done. There is no kinder gift you can give to your family than to do that. Yeah. Thank so. you very much. Because uh... I know that many people experience a lot of problems once a loved one goes because they don't have the slightest idea where is what. Right. And right. it becomes a lifelong chase of trying to find what was hidden where, in which box, which key to open which box. And <laughs> so that becomes, so, so I, I think this is a good point why we should talk about uh, things that could happen once we are not there. Yes, absolutely. You yeah. need to find a family member that you really trust or mm -hmm. a few. You know, if you have a trusting, loving family, mm -hmm. invite them in, share this with them. And you'll find that your younger members will put up put up resistance because they won't want to talk about this. But the more you kind of force them to or gently, um, the better off they'll be. Because they say that their own you. life and yeah. And when your time comes. Because the notion is that if you're talking about death, then you're inviting death. And that's why it traumatizes people not to speak about death. And they don't like speaking about it. No. But uh, you, mentioned <laughs> your, yes, you mentioned your own father. And I also had a father who was growing old. He had been a minister. And so mm -hmm. when he grew older and he was uh, in his uh, 70s, he was always saying, I finished my work here. I need to go home. And uh, we were, hey, you, you still have time here. Stop, talk, stop talking about you going. We need you here. <laughs> but uh, we said there's no other option. I mean, once you're grown old and you've come to a certain age, at some point you'll have to leave, which you don't know when, but you'll That's have right. to leave. So you need to be free to talk about it. Yeah, make peace with it yourself, know yeah. that it's going to happen, and then make peace with the rest of your family about it. The best thing you can do is to bring death into an everyday conversation such that it's not this horrific thing when somebody mentions it. It's just part of life. Yeah, we are talking about solo ages, but do you also, would you also encourage it on every other person, even when oh, you never know your day? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We should all be talking more about every aspect of life, including death. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean to dwell on it. We don't have to dwell on it, but just to talk about it as not some scary, horrible thing, but that's something that just happens to all of us. We just pass out of this existence on this planet, no matter whether you think there's an afterlife or or dust to dust. Um, it, it's just going to happen. So make peace with it. Yeah, and because every single day we are seeing people living this world, and not all the people, but young people. So yeah. I think it's a good idea to talk about uh, what could happen where or where. I mean, and let uh, your other people, your friends, your family know about your details. So thank you very much. We are very honored to have you in our show. Uh, so whoever is listening and or watching this, read this book. You don't have to be old to know how <laughs> getting old feels. And uh, <laughs> don't want, don't wait to learn through your experiences, bad experiences. We say we learn through experiences, but this one you don't have to. You have to prepare in advance. <laughs> you need to prepare in advance. So it's good to grab a, a book by Sarah, read it, get it to your friends, and buy gifts to your family so that they also may have an idea of how growing old should be uh, prepared for. So thank you very much. We really appreciate you, Sarah, for being on. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And thank you to all our viewers, those who are watching the live version and those who are watching the recorded version. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank and remember you. to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Go to our uh, website, bookplacemedia.com and uh, follow us also there. And if you need okay. to be on the show, please also tell us. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Bye, Bye all.